Welcome back to the podcast. Gabe, Yannis, and I are joined alongside Ben Alderman today. Now, if you don't know Ben, Ben's been in the CrossFit space forever. He's a former CrossFit Games competitor. He's a pastor at his church. He's the founder, co-founder of the Northern California Classic. He wears a lot of hats also as a husband, as a father of four. We are fired up to talk to him today. And uh, Gabe, what do you think we could expect? Hey man, dude, I'm excited to get guests back on the podcast. And I think Ben is an awesome kind of like, we haven't had a guest in a while. And I'm super excited to like start this off again with a guy like Ben. I know you have a closer relationship with him. I'm just super excited to talk about a dad. I know he homeschools. I'm super curious about that, but yeah, dude, I'm fired up. All right, let's get right to it. So Ben Alderman has four full-time jobs, which we're going to dive into, has four kids, which we're going to talk about, but we're going to start off this conversation. And Gabe and I already kind of prefaced this in, in the intro, but I got I got to start off by talking about Cheddar. So I'll give you guys a little story. It was maybe, I don't know, like what, two years ago, maybe yeah, like two years, two years ago. ago. And Ben, Ben messages me. He's like, bro, I got this, uh, you know, this, this cryptocurrency It's called Cheddar. And, you know, a buddy of mine founded it and I think it's going to do some big things. I think you should go invest in it. So sure enough, I figured out how to buy this cheddar because it was an altcoin. So I had to learn the process of buying this altcoin, which I didn't even know. And so for that, I'm grateful because Ben taught me a lot because I had to pursue this to even buy the cheddar. And I loved the name. There was like a song, like the cheddar song. We were fired up. And Ben Alderman and I were riding the cheddar high and then the cheddar low. And I think that this cheddar crypto was a really good example of who Ben Alderman is as a man and the commitments he had made and that process. So I wanted to I wanted to start there, Ben, if we could just talk a little bit about Cheddar because I think it exemplifies who you are and is what we should stand for as, as men, as dads. But damn, it hurts seeing that thing go down. Yeah, yeah, it really, it really did. That was, I mean, the way you're talking about it right now, it makes it all worth it, you know? It's just like a fun time and it was a good time for you and I to be able to connect over something. Not only you, I mean, I had other like notable CrossFit Games athletes who were like I was connecting with and helping them buy it and figure it out. But, you know, I got in, I got in much earlier than you guys. And um, it was from a friend of mine and he said, hey, we're trying to create something that will, that will really help us leave a legacy, you know? And I mean, to their credit, they did, you know, like in, in, a, in, in like in a very positive way, right. The story ends up kind of coming full circle, but, you know, so I invested, you know, uh, uh, let's just say $10,000, you know, and this, this, uh, <laughs> this process is, is insane. So all of a sudden it goes up and all I'm, it's worth like 50,000. And I'm like, wow, this is great. You know? And I don't even remember when I started talking to you. I really don't. I, I think you know you know all this. That's why you're laughing. I do. I'm laughing because I I remember riding that high. And the oh, problem yeah. with crypto was unlike the stock market, it never stops, dude. I'd wake up in the middle of the night and I'd be checking yes. my crypto, and it would go from like whatever thousand to to ten x. And I was like, it was like a drug. I couldn't stop yeah. watching. Anyways, I'll let you keep going. Yeah. So, and that is true. I mean, the crypto market it never slows down. It never sleeps. Things can just like they can spike in the middle of the night. They could drop. It's like almost like they're messing with you. You know what I mean? So, anyway, I'm watching it go up, and all of a sudden, I'm like thinking to myself, if this thing goes up to 100k, I am for sure. I'm gonna, I'm gonna pull this out. You know, and um, I, I didn't. I let it keep going and uh, it got to 250K 
we're talking about a quarter million dollars, you know? And I'm like, wow, this is amazing. You know, this is actually really incredible. And then it went up to about 300. Okay. in this initial spike and the way crypto works, all this is, is public. You can go back and, and look at the charts and whatnot to see, you know, how much of this is BS and how much of it is real. And, uh, but it's all real. And I thought, well, this is the legacy money these guys were talking about, you know? And so I actually sold it right then. Okay. I sold everything I had at 300 K. Well, then I found out that my initial investment was really tied to the performance of the coin. And the same time I decided to sell a couple other people sold and it dropped like a ton. And I was like, Oh man, not by a ton. I mean, $50,000 at the time of this was a ton, right? It went from, from the, the 300, it went down to 250, which is actually right. Cause it's hard to sell too. That's where I figured out how to sell. So I sold it for about 250 K. And then I heard through some back channels and some other people who have like names and various spaces and sports and whatnot. So I won't say who they were, but they reached out to me and say, Hey, Ben, um, heard some of the founders were kind of like bummed by your decision to sell. And I'm like, but the thing was, is my sites of 250 K for a guy like me, that was, that was moving towards that legacy money that they were talking about. But I didn't have in mind the same vision. I hadn't understood and grasped what they were talking about. They were talking about like, like private jet type money. You know what I mean? Or, or something like that. Like it was something beyond what I was really relating to. So I found out that they were like, hey, no, that's not what we wanted you to do is pull that out. Because now look at the coin. It's looking soft and all this. And I go, hey, listen, I never, ever want to put money or business before friendship. And so I said, watch this. And I just took my 250 grand and I just bought all my cheddar right back. Right. And I think that might be at the point where I kind of started getting people to, cause that's when I really believed in it. Cause I'm like, you can actually sell crypto and get real money. Right. And, and I did like, I had 10 and turned into over 200. So I'm like, this is amazing. Well, over the next Oh, and it was a it was a wild ride for like a yeah. month, bro. It was a wild yeah, ride. like a month. Yeah, exactly. I mean, this thing went up, and I, I mean, at one point it was worth millions, you know, millions. And people would ask me, "Are you going to sell?" I'm like, "No, I'm not selling. Like, I'm not selling. I already made that mistake once. I'm going to ride this thing until I'm a billionaire with a B, right? Or um, my homies say, "Hey, this is this is where we wanted the project." to go because you know when you get in on something there's an intent behind why you get in you know and especially as a founder or as a as a the initial investor and so believing in the vision is important you know and believing in your friends or believing in the your business partners or whoever you're going to partner with so for me i said you know what we got to a point where it's worth millions and, and my wife looks at me she goes what are you gonna do tomorrow if you sell she's like where will you go i was like i'll probably go to the gym she's like okay that's not different than if you didn't have it. She said, would you still work on the Overcome Project, you know, which is our at-risk youth nonprofit? I said, oh yeah, for sure. Still do that. Would we move? I don't think so. I'd probably pay off my house, but I'm already making my payments now. You know I mean? It's like, it's, she's like, okay, so we wouldn't move. You wouldn't stop doing the Overcome Project, but you maybe would be down a friend or two and your integrity wouldn't be where you wanted it to be. And so I was like, Yeah. So it was like easy at that point. So then I'd watch it go up and down and I was just actually enjoying it. Like I didn't really 
I didn't really care. I don't want to say I didn't care about money, but I cared more about the relationships that I maintained. I cared more about, it helped me actually see that, that money wasn't what I'm chasing, you know, because if I was chasing, I would have sold it and I would have paid off everything. I'd be like, all right, guys, well, I'm done. Like done with what I'm done with everything. I don't need to work right now, you know? And so I never did. And anyway, I ended up, uh, I don't, I don't even know what it's worth now, but basically nothing, you know, <laughs> it's, it's not, it's not funny, but it, it's a really good testament. I remember you were at Ava's kitchen, which is an annual fundraiser. We do and my father-in-law. I told him, I was like, Hey man, that guy, he just got into some cheddar. And we were like on the way to Ava's kitchen, listening to the cheddar song. And we were yeah. fired up. And he's like, dude, you got to tell your friend right now. I'm going to go tell him right now to sell, sell, sell. Yeah. It's a really good, um, that's why I wanted to open up the podcast like that, because I feel like it's a really good example of like putting your money where your mouth is. Like we talk about bonds. We talk about friendships. We talk about, you know, being a man of your word. And you had made a commitment to these guys that you wanted to kind of build something and you stuck with that. And, um, I thought Steph obviously talked to you about what that looks like. I, I find that story really interesting because you're an example of someone who had an opportunity to cash out, but chose to stay in. And I think more people need to hear that type of message because if put in that same situation, I don't know how many people would do that. And it's right. something they should reflect on. So Gabe, I don't well, know if you have any thoughts there, but the Cheddar thing, man, it was, it was fire, bro. Remember well, let me just say one other thing, because the quality of friends that I got into that with, like I wouldn't, I actually wouldn't put a price tag on, on that friendship. You know what I mean? So we went through way more things together and, and losing some money or making some money. And yeah, you could put like these big dollar figures on it, but making and losing money with people you like, rather than just making money and not having people around you that you like, I, I would rather, I'd rather just live life. Cause you know, I mean, you're, you're not really in control of it anyway. You know, like I've seen people make a lot of money and be really unhappy. You know, and I've seen people, it's probably because they cut corners on the way up. It's probably because they, who they stepped on on the way up or who they forgot or who they, they didn't realize who they even were, but they somehow got money. And now they're like, I've got money, but I don't know who I am. And so I know who I am, thankfully, and uh, much more happy, you know, laughing about the story in arrears and keeping that friendship because I still believe in it. If, he, if those guys called me tomorrow and said, Hey, I want to do this. We learned something and we want to move forward and do another project. I'd be like, yep, sign me up you know, and I would do it. That's awesome, man. That's such a cool story. And, um, I think that, you know, what, one thing that comes to mind for me is they say that money is kind of the thing that ends a lot of friendships ends a lot of relationships, marriages, like money issues is, is kind of a, a big crux to a lot of relationships ending. So I think that it's cool that you had an opportunity to kind of really be faced with that like A and B decision. And now you can, you know, share that story in a way where like you learned that like B was definitely the way to go, not necessarily A, even though that might've made sense for a lot of people. So it, it's cool to hear that. Did you guys watch the movie Dumb Money? I never saw it. Uh, it I watched it on a, on a flight recently. So it was, it was the, the, the whole story behind the GameStop, like, craziness oh, the yeah. GameStop like stock mm. and the guy in Wall Street bets and like his whole story and it was fascinating but similar in some respects in that like dude the guy never sold because it was more about this principle of like sticking it to the big guy and this whole community that he had on a Reddit platform of people that like got into this because they literally believed and it's it's actually the movie's actually really well done I I, I would recommend it but um kind of the same kind of different 
but it was just really cool that there was this story of this guy that just like stuck to his guns where he had so many opportunities where he could have cashed out. And the movie ends, it says that he never sold and then kind of left the the, the public eye. So who knows how the story actually ended, but um, it's a cool story. You, you guys should watch it, especially if you're into this kind of stuff. It's fascinating, the ride that that guy went on. Yeah, that's, uh, that's it's a very similar story when you look at the the stock prices for GameStop and what oh, happens with various yep. altcoins and whatnot, you know. And honestly, you've heard about this from many other different coins. And so, if I want to take a gamble, I can go, you know, drop a, a thousand bucks and a few more altcoins and, you know, whatever. <laughs> dude, Cheddar was the thing. Um, yeah. I, I want to, dude, it's so funny. So, before you jump on uh, with us, I was, I was, uh, I typed in Ben Alderman regionals and I was like, oh dude. So I remember just to kind of talk about CrossFit. So Ben mm-hmm. Alderman has had, I mean, I, I think you're a super unique individual to talk to. I think you have a lot of depth. Not only are you running an event, Northern California classic, not only do you have the overcome project, which is a nonprofit, which is awesome. Um, mm-hmm. you've also adopted two beautiful girls. You have two sons as well. Like Dude, you have the the dad, the 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 faith. You have so many different layers to you, obviously, but you also have the CrossFit. And that's how we originally met, and yeah. and and you own a gym, um, Iron Mile. Mm-hmm. But I remember that one year at regionals. I'll never forget. I had won the region like three or four years in a row leading up to this year. I think it was like 2014. Yeah, yeah. And I remember day one was like some like snatch event, handstand walk event, something like that. I remember you were in the lead and I was like in fourth. And this is the first year at a regional that I was not winning on day one. And I remember walking to my car in the, in the parking garage. I don't know if you remember this, but you and your wife were there. Me and Ash were there. We're just walking to the car and I was just looking at, and we were just like, I was like, at the time we knew each other. Like we were friends. I was just like, bro, Mm -hmm. really good job today. Like blah, blah, blah. But in the back of my mind, I'm like, damn, this guy just came and crushed shit today. I mean, you were smashing it. Um, yeah. You did a 290 hang snatch and then like walked on your hands for like a mile. So you're a hell of an athlete and strong as 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 can be. So, but that was a really cool memory, just like walking to the parking garage, talking about that and then being able to compete together. So just, yeah. I don't know, I saw the video, I thought of you. No, it was cool. I actually, I remember that moment and because uh, act- there was not many people around, right? When we were leaving, a lot yeah. of people had already left and it was pretty quiet. And actually, Becca Voigt overheard our conversation. Uh, she was up there supporting Katie. And so, or they were up there doing something. And, uh, and you know, in, and not in like a negative way. You were just like, Ben, where the hell did you come from? Like, you were just like, <laughs> you were shocked, you know? And, and honestly, to be fair, I was shocked too. But like a pro, I answered, I've always been here, man. You know, Dude. <laughs> and, and then I saw Becca later and she was like, she was like, that was a great answer. <laughs> she was, she never said anything. She was like behind a tent or something like that. And so yeah, it's funny. That's awesome, man. Well, yeah. I, uh, so I want to ask you about, um, your kids. So you've chosen to homeschool all four of your kids and yeah. we had Matt, uh, Boudreau on the show a while mm-hmm. ago. And he is a, um, I don't want to use the word advocate, but also like a former, you know, a teacher, but they're creating like these, these new forms of schools where it's not homeschool. It's not traditional school. It's more of a evolved version of that. Um, these acting academies, these Apogee strong is like their online programs. But I'm wondering, like from a homeschool perspective, I think what you've done really well is you've used the gym as an outlet to communicate and connect people. 
but then you've also homeschooled a kid. Like what's that process been like? And what are your learning lessons? Cause your kids, as far as I'm concerned, when I've met them, not only are like your boys, like just straight up men, beasts, mm -hmm. but also like all the kids are super welcoming, super compact. Like anytime I've met them, they've just been very like awesome. So I'm wondering like what you did. Cause I think you did it right <laughs> so far. Yeah. yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Um, you know, for every mistake that I've made, I think that I'm so, I'm just so thankful that my kids are the way they are, honestly. And so some of that is just a testimony to me realizing that they're like in some, I mean, there are my kids, but the way I believe, you know, it's just like, they're not mine and I need to shepherd them and steward them and, and that responsibility in a way that, that is bigger than even me. And, you know, you, you know, you've hired and fired plenty of people over your career and very seldom did it come down to their, just their brains, you know, or their academics, you know, the people we hire are people we trust, people we like, people who communicate well, people who can say what they mean and mean what they say, you know, and that's more important to me than, than anything else. And so I don't feel like they could learn that in the public school, mm. like they can learn it at home. I didn't feel like they could, um, the, the, the other values that we hold, you know, values of faith, values that are, you know, that kind of fly in the face of the culture today. I didn't want them to have to fight those battles at seven, eight, nine, ten. 10. Uh, I wanted to equip them more and then allow them to make some of those decisions on their own, you know, and, and be who they are, but without, and people would say, well, you need know, kind of sheltered them, you know, but I also, I would maybe say that's partly my job is to shelter uh, and protect. Uh, that's what a father does is protects. Um, and I also didn't throw them to the wolves. You know, if I believe that the, the other methods are dangerous, then why would I, why would I do that? And so, you know, the process has been very interesting, you know, schooling for us does look different. It looks look different from every other homeschool parent that I know. We spend less time, you know, in books and on computer programs and in front of screens and more time living life together and, um, doing some of the fundamentals and trying to harp on those things, you know, when it comes to schooling so they can get through writing and, uh, you know, math and, you know, things like that, but uh, a lot less time on things that most of us probably have forgotten at this point. Like how much California history do you remember from school, us history? Like I'm, I'm just not that smart. I might capitals. Be, like I couldn't, yeah, I might just be projecting right now, but like, I know that for me, I was pretty academic, you know, I made the principles list, but I don't remember 90% of what I went through. And so for me, that's just what's more important. And now my, my oldest son, he coaches more at my gym at Iron Mile than any other person for this past, past pay period, which is incredible. Uh, and it's not because he gets paid less or I can just tell him to go work for free. He gets paid. He reports to my GM. He doesn't report to me directly. Um, and he's being held to a really high standard and, and it's really fun to watch him work and do school and learn guitar and get his, you know, feet under him at jujitsu. You know, it's, it's great. And then my son Corbin, he has time. He's got a, a drop shipping business that he started watching YouTube videos and has already turned a profit on that business after two months, you know, so he's, he's nuts, you know, and then, and my two little girls, because of just their unique upbringing and their situation, we're able to like spend the time that we need with them and not what I think would happen is they would kind of get passed over 
at, at a traditional school. So, yeah, I, I mean, that's a long answer. I know, but. No, it's good. Mm -hmm. I, I love this conversation. I don't think I've like, uh, told Jason this or talked about it on the podcast might not come as a surprise to him, but we're, we're going to homeschool our kids. We've kind of, unless something like drastically changed, just so we have a one-year-old mm -hmm. and one on the way and we've kind of like made that decision um for for a while now and and super excited to do it so i'm man i have i have a bunch of questions um but i i love that man we we've met so many families here in texas now because we're like in the like homestead like small farm community like honestly like most kids are homeschooled and i haven't been lucky enough to meet your kids but just what jason said like every kid that i've met that has been homeschooled is like eye contact, shake hands, holds a great conversation with us. Like it's actually, it's, it's fascinating because for a long time, right? Like the, the, the narrative out there is that like, you know, homeschool kids are like kind of weird. How are they going to be able to socialize? Like you're not socializing them with school. And, you know, for me, cause we don't, I don't have any family that's homeschooled or know anyone that's homeschooled. That was a narrative that we had a lot as well. But man, like we've met enough families now where like the most like social, well-behaved, like just seemed like well-adapted, like little humans have been families that we've met that are homeschooled. And it's, it's, it's fascinating. And I guess the, the, the question is, what do you think, what do you think is, is now that you've done it is really the thing that's missing in traditional schooling that's leading to everyone that I've seen, you know, like the, the, the most social kids are actually the ones that are being homeschooled, not the ones that are in school. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, I, I think a lot of it comes down to just the value systems that the, that public schools primarily are pushing. I think that there's a lot of hidden agendas personally, and uh, not to get too far into that, because I don't want to make this show about that. But I do think that there is, um, there's ideas out there of kind of, persuading or influencing the younger generation to think a certain way and behave a certain way and focus on the wrong things. And so if we can get you to focus more on academics rather than character, rather than on values, rather than morality, mm. um, then, then I think they, there, there are people out there that believe that that's actually good, you know? And um, when you're building this house, but the foundation isn't solid, it's just, it's going to fall over at some point. And I do believe that, whatever's being built right now with the best of human efforts in a lot of ways is not really all that sturdy, you know, because it's not built on something that's, that's um, maybe tried and tested. Yeah. It's a really, it's a really interesting conversation, full disclosure. And most people who listen to this podcast know this, like my children go to a private uh, Catholic school and small classes, whatnot, but I see opportunities in a variety of different ways from the Acton model to the homeschool model to this model. Um, we are not in the traditional public school system, so our schooling is a little bit different. I think a lot of it comes down to how much time and attention the parents are playing in and, and, and teaching those other factors you're talking about, Ben. But, you know, obviously, if your kids are at school from eight to three, I mean, it, it does add validity to everything we're talking about. Like, I know for me, like, at least my son, like he does not like going to school at all. Zero. I mean, he doesn't want to sit in a desk and like, it's hard for me. Cause like, he'll come home. He'll be like, dude, I, I, he'll be like talking about whatever. I'll be like, look, man, I can't blame you. Like, it's hard for me to even like, I'll be like, dude, I wouldn't want to sit. Like I can't sit down for 30 minutes. Right. I can, right. I can and, confirm. You can't <laughs> sit through a one hour meeting. Yeah. So like, 
so I, I understand that. Um, but this is the path we've chosen and obviously it's going to evolve, but I think it's cool to have conversations like this because homeschooling, like it's not all rainbows and unicorns. I imagine either, right. It probably comes with its fair share of challenges as well. Like, just like everything does. I think sometimes we talk about the highlights, but like there has to be some disadvantages in terms of like, obviously it requires like you and your wife, like it requires someone to do it. Right. So that's, that's a, that's the challenge in itself. Yeah. I mean, there's definite pros and cons, you know, and, you know, just looking at some of the cons, I hear parents who come to like, say my 9am class and they've dropped off their kids and now they get some time to their self. They get to kind of, you know, just give themselves the attention that they've been pouring into their kids. And meanwhile, my kids are running around playing in the background if I'm coaching, right? Because it's, I homeschool. So they don't get dropped off. And, you know, my wife and I talk about not having the time to, to talk and connect her and I, you know, as much as we need to, because our kids are always around, mm. you know, and it's like, well, we can't have a conversation about our kids and maybe what challenges that they're going through that we need to overcome with them. You know, of course, they're gonna be brought into that conversation at some point, right? But sometimes you wanted to be able to talk freely and not have them jump to conclusions or, you know, there's just things that are more adult that they don't need to be around yet, you know? And so um, it can be difficult and challenging in that way. Uh, I think that, you know, obviously one of us has to homeschool and thankfully we have a business that I run. I can do a lot of it from home and then I can go in on my own schedule. My wife, she's, she trains and she homeschools and she helps run her nonprofit, you know, and so she can do a lot of that and do it, it at the same time, you know, as everything else. But it's, uh, yeah, there's, I mean, there's total, uh, pros and cons. The one thing, like you mentioned about your son, you know, I, I know that our kids do need to learn how to do things that they don't like sometimes. Right. But to live in a world, and I'm not saying your son, but this is my one, one of my big uh, issues with homeschool is, and, and I'm going to, I'm going to play out this really dramatic and, uh, and morbid, almost like a story in some ways, you know, a kid at, at three years old hates going to preschool or daycare parent puts them in, they cry for the first month, you drop them off. Right. And you drive away and the moms may be crying too. Right. Cause she's like, it doesn't feel right. And that, that that's, and they, that's real situation, by the way. Oh, I mean, that happens that all over the place all the time. Yeah. yeah. And then they go to kindergarten, new school, new teacher, same thing happens again, right. They're back to crying. And then all of a sudden they go to their first elementary school and it's different, but, and they have some friends or whatever, but like there's this, like, I don't want to go to school. Like, what do you want to do? Today? I just, I, can I just stay home today? Nope. You got to go to school. And then they get to high school and they've just kind of like ignored that and they've been over it. And then they go to college and then they're told they need to take all these classes that they don't like um, and get a degree uh, that they maybe aren't going to use. And then they, and then they fast forward into adulthood and they work a job they don't really like, but they're being told that they need to save for retirement. And then they retire. And it's like, I don't know, like, what did you do with your whole life that you wanted to do? Right. And, and, but you've been programmed since you were three to say, oh, I'm going to go anyway. I'm going to go to my job anyway. I'm going to go to my class anyway. I'm going to go to, I'm going to, you know, and then I'm going to retire. And then at 63 years old or 83 years old, you're like, all right, cool. I got 20 to 30 years left to kind of, I don't know, dink around with whatever time I have left. And I, I just, I don't want that for my kids. You know, I don't want that for myself. I don't want that for the people around me. Um, and there are some people who I think should go to school. So don't hear me saying like, nobody should go to school. School is always bad. 
but I think there are pros and cons. And if you don't look at it that way, you, you, you will just literally, you'll, you'll get all the bad with the good that is there. Yeah. Gabe, did you I have any that? More? Yeah, go ahead on that. Well, I think that, you know, the, the biggest thing is people say that it takes a lot of time, right? It takes a lot of work. And I think that, you know, the biggest thing is that a lot of the things that are most possible, mo most positive and impactful are always going to take time and work. An interesting thing, Ben, um, I talked about this on the last podcast. So I'm doing a month of no social media on my phone mm -hmm. and my screen time has dropped by two and a half hours. And the reason I bring that up is, dude, there's so much time. Two and a half hours a week day. or a day? Two and a half hours a day. A day. That, that more goes to show how high my screen time was before. Big reason I did this. Yeah. And I think that it's just, the, the reason I bring that up is, you know, I, you know, pride myself in being someone that's pretty productive, but that to me has been such an like eye-opening moment. Like, dude, everyone's got time. We're all wasting time. Like if we're saying that like, hey, like, you know, homeschooling, I'm not saying that this should be the route that everyone takes, but for anything, like I don't have time for fitness. I don't have time to have, you know, conversations with my wife. I don't have time to like meal prep. Like there's so many things that people will always say, I don't have time for, even though it's the right thing to do. Dude, we have time. There's so much time. And it's yeah. just, we're, we're wasting it. We're wasting it on, you know, whether it's your phone or whether it's, you know, Netflix or whether it's, you know, things that aren't moving you in the right direction. Like, I think the time is there. And I think that sometimes it's a cop out if you're listening to this or fitness advice or nutrition advice or whatever. And it's like, well, you know, must be nice for these guys, but like, I just don't have time to make it work. Like, it's just be impossible. I think that people shut off their brain immediately instead of like, well, how could I maybe make that work? How could I spend more time with my kids, even if they are in the traditional school system to make sure that I'm getting in front of some of these values that Ben is talking about and have some of you know my influence on them versus it being like the eight hours that they're at school. And then that's pretty much it. Um, that's been a valuable lesson for me in just the you know eight days, because I started in February that I've been doing this. And I think it's a good reminder that, man, Dude, we got a lot of time. We waste a lot of time. I think all of us do. Well, there's like two, you're two steps removed a little bit, right? From the, uh, just, just own on one thing, the values, right? Like how can you do it when you have a uh, traditional school and then you're like, oh, I need to get in front of my kids and talk to them about certain things. And I think that's really important because the first step is I think a lot, a lot of people have never really um, done enough work on where they really feel and are really hold true convictions on things. So then when you're trying to give it to your kids, all you can really tell them is like, do your best, be yourself, you know? And it's like, there's no, I'm not saying that those aren't good things, but that's so vanilla and surface level. I could say that to anybody. And it's like, so again, that's kind of the homeschooling thing. It's like, I don't feel like a lot of us have explored, you know, our true thoughts and, and, um, or taking the time to develop maybe a, a second level or a deeper layer of thinking. On that note, I had a question about advice for, let, let me let me dive into what you just said. So mm -hmm. are you specifically referring to like, like, I agree with what you're saying, like be a good person, whatever. That's mm -hmm. kind of like vanilla. It's mm -hmm. like almost like diving into your mission statement as a family. And it, are you referring primarily to faith when, you, when you're talking about those type of things? like, like believing in a higher being and, and serving that, or are you talking about like more like family values and diving deeper with your family in those family values? I know they're probably one and the same or, or similar, but yeah. can you dive into a little bit more of what you're talking about? Cause I think that's, yeah. Well, I, 
I don't think it takes a man of faith or somebody who shares my faith to go to look at people and say, ask the question, like, why are you working that job that you don't like at all? And you've been there for years and years and years. And, you know, or why are you sending your kids to school and they hate it and you hate being away from them? You know, why are you structuring your life in this way? Why are you saving no money for retirement and just living for right now? Or why are you saving all your money for retirement and just living for then? You know, and I think that a lot of those questions are questions that anybody can ask. I do think there is a bigger question, like when it comes to faith, like why, why anything, you know, why do we, why do we place value on anything? And, and I think those are good questions. I think the the first questions I was mentioning are questions that kind of tickle everybody a little bit and make them want to engage a little bit. But once you go into the level of spirituality, I think it does turn off some people. And so, and I'm okay with that. Like, I'm not trying to say you have to go there in order to challenge the status quo. I don't think you have to. I don't think you have to start reading the Bible or the Quran or, you know, go to Buddhist temples to challenge the status quo. I think you can do that just by looking around and going like, why do we all do this? Why do we all send our kid to public school? Why do we all spend money on this? Why, you know what I mean? Like, and I think that that's, and all is of course not meaning all. It means like the 83% of people many. do. Yeah. Right. The many, you know, why does the crowd do this? And so um, why do we vote this way or not this way or don't vote because we know it doesn't make a difference. Or, you know what I mean? Just like all that stuff. Why don't we ask those questions? And I do think, like I said, that there's a level of spirituality underneath it, which I like to talk about. I like to get into that stuff. But like I said, I know it turns some people off and, um, and for a lot of good reasons too, it's been mishandled. Um, even by me, <laughs> I've done that before too. It's not always easy to get it right, especially when you get passionate about something. So, um, so yeah, it's part and parcel, but it's not necessarily like you have to have faith in order to challenge the values of our day. And I think it's also like, not uh, like subscribing to, you have to go counter to what everyone else is doing in every aspect for the sake of doing it. Right. Like, I think some people also take it to that extreme where it's like, well, if everyone's going this way, I need to go that way. Like, I think that if you do ask yourself these questions of why do you do these things for some people that is going to make sense for some people, they're going to have a great school within a small community that it just makes sense for their circumstances. And they feel good about that. Perfect. But I think it's just asking the question about all of these facets versus either just going completely the direction everyone's going or saying like you have to buck the trend every single step of the way without even understanding kind of why you're doing that. I can kind of be like that too. Right. I remember growing up and everybody liked Michael Jordan, everybody. And I was like, man, he's, he can't be the best. Like everybody, I just, you know what? I don't like Michael Jordan. Like I was that guy for not very long. Cause then I watched Michael Jordan play and you realize, Oh, there's a reason why undeniable, he's undeniable. the best. And everybody says he's the best, you know? And so yeah, there are certain times where the crowd and the masses are correct, you know? And so there are a few people out there who are like, yeah, Shaq's the best. Actually, nobody says that, but you know what I mean? Like there are people <laughs> who say that that certain people aren't. And 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 so I don't, yeah, I know there's actually that that little bone in me that sometimes goes, Jason Kleep is not the best in NorCal. I'm the best, you know? <laughs> Just kidding. That's and then, and then, and then I, and then I won the region. But and then you won the regional. Ah, again. 
but it's and again a, and it, again. Yeah. <laughs> I, um, I want to ask you from, um, you know, your life experiences. So right now you were saying that you had, um, four full-time jobs and I, I think if I'm, uh, let me see if I can get these right. Northern California classic event coordinator along with, you know, Ben, uh, Blair, know, yeah. Blair sorry. Mm-hmm. Um, you have the overcome project, mm-hmm. you have iron mile, and mm-hmm. then now you just got hired on to be a pastor. Are those the four or am I, am I wrong? Those are the four. Dude. Yeah. Um, those are the four. So out of it. those four, like, how do you, I guess over the years, like, I don't know. I mean, you went from an MMA background, got into CrossFit. Now you're a 15 year white belt in jujitsu. Like you, you, you have like your fitness journey, your faith journey, your business journey. Like, I guess, what are some takeaways along that? Because I mean, dude, you're, you're raising four kids. you got all these different things going on. Like, do you and Steph like have like weekly date nights? Like, how do you keep your relationship tight while having all these different priorities going on? And then if so, like, yeah, it's just, it's a lot to unpack there. I, I feel like there's gotta be lessons for, for guys listening to this. They're like, okay, I could pick that from what he's going through. Yeah. So I have these four full-time jobs and that's a joke. I actually don't work, you know, 160 hours a week. Right. But I do a lot of things at the same time. They overlap in a lot of ways. The overcome project takes place at iron miles. Sometimes, sometimes we have, we also run a free gym, you know, 15 miles away, we help support another gym that's, you know, a few miles away. And, you know, so we have that, but um, I'd say this, like I've sacrificed a lot at the altar of my marriage and my faith. And so at any time something comes against one of those two things, I immediately divert my attention away. I try to, I'll say that I try to not give that thing or that passion or that desire any more attention. Right. And it's like, because it's affecting my marriage or it's affecting my faith. And so those are the kind of like delineating factors for me where I I kind of reach an impasse and I go, I can't go any further down that road. And so that's one. Um, The other thing is I'm a bit of a slow learner, which is kind of why I think I do so many things in some ways. I don't mean that like I'm doing things and I'm, I'm not good at them but I just am, I'm slow to let things go. And I'm, I'm, I'm passionate about seeing things work out. I love people, but if you're a slow learner, like I am, then you have to learn how to be resilient. And so I think there's maybe a lot of guys out there who don't feel like they're super smart. Um, They don't feel like they have a natural business acumen or even a, a marriage acumen, whatever that is, you know, but if you will be resilient, and force yourself to stay in the trenches and keep learning, like you can make a lot of ground and you can help a lot of people, including yourself. You can help yourself have a a life that's not surviving, but thriving, you know, in the areas that are important to you. Like, I mean, fitness, I mean, fitness is a great example, Jay, you know, like I came into the sport a little bit later, you know, cause I'm, I'm 41. I'm a little bit older than you. Um, and I just like, I just put my head down and kept working. I told myself 1% better every day. And the thing that was great about getting into CrossFit at the time that, that I did just after you, where it was like, I could look to guys like you, but it wasn't like looking at a Joe Montana who everybody knew for a long time. You could walk, I mean, you still can, you could come to Sacramento, walk through a grocery store and nobody's going to bother you. Right. Michael Jordan walks through a grocery store. People are going to, they're going to, they're going to bother you. You know what I mean? Bother him. You know, it's like, 
I saw names that were of people who had done great things, but they were just, you guys were just names to me. I'm like, Jason Kalipa, who's that? I mean, if he can do it, I can do it. Right. And so I would just keep chasing and keep chasing and just keep trying to get better and keep problems. You kept getting better too. But, you know, like, but that allowed me to level up, you know, you you say it all the time, rising tide raises all boats or, or what, however that goes. Right. And so you getting better. And then I, I never associate this like superstar status to that. And I think sometimes we're quick to do that with people. And we think that whatever they do is unattainable and whatever you do is, is not, you know, and it's, I'm just saying, just be resilient, whether you're smart, whether you're not, whether you're going through it, whether you're not, you know, like resilience, I think is a very good trait and characteristic to develop. Almost like that law of attrition, huh? Gabe, we were talking about the other day. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, what we talked about the other day was a lot of people are successful, not because they're particularly talented, but because they're just less willing to give up than most people. A lot of people underestimate how much it takes, but I love what you said about just, you know, these people that are successful, that have some of the things that we all aspire to have, they're just people, right? Like they have the same 24 hours in the day. They have the same, you know, we're, we're made out of the same stuff. Uh, sure. Everyone has their different strengths and weaknesses, but I think having that ability to just be like, Hey, like we're more similar than we are different. They just probably don't waste time <laughs> and probably, you know, found a way to be productive and so on and so forth. The other thing that I noticed about the four things you mentioned, Ben, is at least based off what I know about you, it sounds like all of those things are things that not that they're easy all the time, but that you enjoy and bring fulfillment to you in kind of a bigger way. Right. And I think that that's key as well. Like I know Jason does a lot, you know, I have a lot going on mm -hmm. and a lot of the people that we have on this podcast are very busy people. But I think the thing in common is that we're not really doing stuff that like ends up being like a complete, just like chore. Mm -hmm. Again, sometimes there are going to be days that are easier than others, but I think going back to what you were, what we were talking about with the homeschooling, like if you really lean into the things that you want to do and that you're passionate about, you can have four full-time jobs and it's not going to feel like four full-time jobs, right? Like you're not doing yeah. four things that are like, man, I got to go clock in and it's going to be a drag. I think that that is unsustainable for anyone. But when you have four things that, you know, for lack of a better term, fill your cup, like you could turn that into eight things. You can turn that into 16 things. Like you can find the time and energy to keep going because they all kind of like all like become this one thing that you're trying to do. So I think that that's pretty cool. And that's something that I've noticed with a lot of the people that we've talked to that seemingly, how do you do everything? But it's because like, you don't want to do anything else. And yeah. I mean, everything I do is, uh, it, it does, it fills my cup. It, some people like going to jujitsu takes energy, right? For me, it gives me energy. I'm not going to say I'm not tired, right? You guys get that, right? CrossFit, it doesn't, yeah, it takes energy for me, but it, it gives me energy. Marriage is, is hard. A lot of people don't get married these days because it's hard, you know? And it's like, but it gives me energy. You know, entrepreneurship, it's hard, but it gives me energy. Homeschooling, it's hard, but it gives me energy. And so it's like, you know, being a pastor, it's hard, but it gives me energy. It's like everything I do, is like in so many ways it's it's hard but it's it's you know yeah finding yeah. the right things finding the right hard things actually mm -hmm. give you more energy i mean it's just like a really good workout right it's a hard thing but it makes you show up better for your family and all the things that we talk about and i mm -hmm. i want to ask you a question because I, I find this to be one that you're uniquely qualified to discuss 
I believe in particular your boys, um, I've just seen them grow up more than I have your daughters who are both mm -hmm. 10. They seem like they have really natural athleticism yeah. and they've seen to harness that towards the sport of fitness and Olympic lifting from my perspective. Yeah. I'm curious, like, do you think there's any pros and cons to getting the kids into fitness? Like we're, I was talking about this with Gabe earlier, like, you know, what role does fitness play in this homeschooling component? And then, you know, do you think that having them in the gym and doing CrossFit, if you could do it over, or, or do you think that they pursued that compared to more traditional sports and what impact do you think that had like versus like, you know, CrossFit jiu-jitsu versus more traditional sports? Is there ever like this idea in your head? Like, what if, could they have been a really great football player if we had gotten them exposed to it? How did you find that balance um, and then allow them to make those decisions without encouraging them too much or not too much to, to play sports? Yeah. Um, I think early on with, especially with Mason, cause he's my oldest, he's 16 and uh, he's developed his athleticism further than any of my other kids, partly because he's 16, not be, you know, by the time Corbin gets there, he'll be also, you know, very athletic in, in, in a similar way. He's already athletic at 13. He just got three gold medals at, the American open finals, uh, recently, but, um, it was early on not really being sure how much influence we wanted to let in. It came back to that. And so going into sports teams with a bunch of kids who you're going to become very close with whose parents didn't make the same decisions we did. So again, we sacrificed certain things. I, like I, I played team sports growing up, you know, I went to public school growing up and I knew, for my boys that for me, the pros, like I got out of that and, and I feel like, um, how do I want to say this in the way that I got out of that, what I feel like could be a trap. Okay. But I did not want my boys to have to fight that same battle. And so when it came to sports, I thought, well, if there's a way we can do it and they played little league for a little while and enjoyed that. But if there's a way we do, we will do it. But then certain sports, like say football, like I wasn't actually allowed to play football. My parents just didn't want me to get hurt, you know, and, and, and that whole deal. So that one wasn't very big, but I played basketball. I played, I played soccer and, um, I wanted them to have that, but then we found CrossFit and they found a, a ton of fulfillment in it. And, uh, in that, you know, Mason was 22nd, I think in the world last year in 14, 15s. Um, and he wasn't really training all that hard. I don't push them that. I don't push them like that. They don't, they've never trained really like how you and I used to train. They never train like that. Um, sometimes they get crazy just cause they're kids and they'll, they worked out and then their friends show up and then they'll work out with my friends. And then I need somebody needs a partner and they'll do a third workout. Like they'll do that. It's not saying they can't, but um, they've just developed over time and uh, they've found fulfillment in it. I think that we've just kind of put other things in place. So it's not like there's this vacuum. It's something else is in place of it now. Yeah, it's the team sport because I, I love the team sport dynamic. I think that's one thing that the CrossFit side, but if they have friends that are coming over and they're hitting workouts together, I can see how that's successful. Mm -hmm. I think jujitsu, I'm super stoked to hear that. Do are, are all the kids getting into jujitsu or just the boys? Yeah. So um, Mason got, like I said, 22nd last year. And then he told me, he's like, Hey, dad, I think I want to try jujitsu. And I haven't done jujitsu for like 13 and a half years. And even when I did jujitsu, it was back at team alpha male with Uriah Faber, Chad Mendez, you know, Joe Benavidez, Danny Castillo, like a lot of good guys. I used to, I rolled with, not used to, I have rolled with Nate Diaz back when he was like 
on his way up. Like it was like a good time, but 13 years ago, left it, put it down. Like I said, if it kind of interfered with marriage or faith, I would put it down. And just that point in my life, I was like, that's what I needed to do. So it was all about me at that time. And then Corbin was born my second son and I never went back to the gym in 13 and a half years. I rolled three times. And, uh, so, and back then when you did Nogi, which is all I did, they yeah. didn't hand out belts. So now I go to jujitsu. I've been back for four months and like, I was rolling with a black belt the other day and he's like, I don't feel white belt here. And, uh, and he's like, why are you sandbagging? I'm like, I can't give myself a blue belt. You know what I mean? Like I'm going to show up until somebody hands me a stripe or a belt or whatever. And, and it feels like it matches, but now it's all about what they want to do. So I have friends and, you know, like, you know, in SEMA, great jujitsu practitioner nearby, bigger guy, kind of like, like us, he's actually even bigger than us. Right. Yeah, and, yeah. um, he's like, you, you do great over here at this school. And I'm like, yeah, but it'd be harder for my kids to get over there. And this time around jujitsu is about them, you know? And so my boys are doing it. My girls really want to do it. We had a couple of things I want them to work on in their behavior so they can go and get the most out of it. But I want them to, I don't want to just throw them in there. Cause I don't need them away from me. Sometimes we throw the kids in sports. So we want some time away. And like I said, I don't need to do that. Um, I want them to really value the experience, get a lot out of it, and then also contribute to the school or the class or whatever they're in. So yeah, they'll, they'll be in it probably, they could be as early as next week. Cause we've been working on it for a while or maybe a month or so. And I, I love what you said about the BJJ now being for them, right? Like you're, you're tagging along, but it's not about like you having the ideal training partners is it's their kind of thing now. And you're supporting them. Um, I told Jason about this. I bought like Ryan holidays daily dad. So it has like a daily, uh, meditation about parenting and stuff. And I, I've been really enjoying it. And it's funny that you mentioned that because today, the one that I read was all about this. Like, you know, we always tell our kids when they go out to the diamond or whatever, like, Hey, make us proud, you know, make, make me proud. And it insinuates this fact that like, if they don't score the touchdown, if they don't hit the ball, they don't do well, they're not making you proud. And the whole point of it was our kids don't owe us anything. Like we owe them, right? Like we're doing what we do for them. And this whole idea of like, you know, you will only make us proud if you get the grade, if you do the thing, whatever, it's kind of backwards, right? Like they, we, we chose to bring them to this world. And so we owe them everything once they're here. Um, so that was fresh in mind because that was the one that I read this morning. So I, I, I love that, man. I love the fact that now the journey that you're on is tagging along for them as opposed to it being all about you. Mm -hmm. Dude. That was good, Gabe. I needed to hear that right there because I was talking to Ava about some stuff this morning. I was like, dude, I really, Ava, I really need, can you please do this? Like, it would really help your mom and I. But like, it's just, I've never said to my kids, like, hey, if you go do this athletic achievement, I'm going to be proud of you. That's never, I've never even like thought to say that because I don't, I don't correlate their physical achievements with me being proud of them. But I have said things like, dude, Ava, we could really use your support here. <laughs> but like, then it puts a lot of pressure on them. And so anyways, but I, dude, Ben, I'm super stoked that, you know, the, the, the kids are getting jujitsu. I think that, you know, I'm a big believer and I'm, I'm fully convinced on this, the more that our boys and girls, but in particular boys can, you know, put themselves in combat type situations in a structured environment, the more likely they're going to be to be a contributing 
to society, right? Just a good person, not a bully, not aggressive because they're comfortable and they have that self-confidence from all the time they've spent on the mats. And yeah. I'm just a big believer in that, man. You know, Caden and I train a lot and we train differently, right? Like the, I train differently with Ava than I do with Caden, but the goal is just to build up that self-confidence regardless so that they could kind of take on the day as best as they can. Yeah. Do a lot of your, your, a lot of your people hit you up about jujitsu these days, like, and ask you about how to get into it or how to move from fitness to jujitsu. Yeah. Yeah. Because of my, you know, um, I've been doing jujitsu now for a long time. And so I get a lot of people who are like, Hey, you know, how do you balance your CrossFit jujitsu training? Um, that's a big question. And, or, you know, how do I get started in jujitsu? And my, my, my feedback to them is always like, I recommend, especially if you come from a CrossFit background, like a guy like you, um, let's just say you didn't have the MMA background beforehand. You'd be a monster on the mat because you're super physical, bro. I think you just snatched. Didn't you just like snatch 300 pounds again? Like you're 40 something and you, you snatched 300 pounds, didn't you recently? Yeah. I mean, I, I power cleaned 360 for a double on Monday. Stop it. Stop it. it. Yeah. Dude, you got like, you got like what they really call like, you got man, you got dad strength, bro. Yeah. I didn't even touch the barbell in a while. Like not that heavy, but anyway, yeah, go ahead. Dude, that kind of dad strength hasn't kicked in for me yet. I'm still waiting. Four kids, bro. Just get four. (laughs) (laughs) The more kids you get, the stronger you get. Um, But you know, I I think that uh, like a guy like you, man, you're so athletic. I, I think starting with privates is always a great way to go for a lot of people just because it allows them an opportunity to kind of like de-escalate. You know, you see people who come in, especially from CrossFit, they feel like they're kind of like the alpha because they're strong, they're fit. And then all of a sudden, some dude is doing basically whatever they want to them and yeah. they could start freaking out. And so I think privates are good because it starts to kind of like let you know what it feels like to kind of be underwater, right? And l- react in a constructive manner as a good training partner versus like your ego getting in the way. So that's always my recommendation especially for guys like, I mean, your background's different. I remember one time we were in Hawaii and I didn't really fully understand your MMA background. Um, cause at the time I had an interest in jujitsu. I think I was still competing in CrossFit. We were there with progenics and I remember it was you and I don't know who it was. It was someone. And all I remember, dude, is you guys were walking to the parking lot and you start straight up going for single legs, double legs and grappling like on the pavement. Do you remember this? Like do you remember it was yeah. you and somebody else? I don't know who yeah. it was. It was a guy named Ike. It Ike. was uh, one, of, one of the event guys. And uh, and he was like a very high-level wrestler. And he was like, we just started kind of, you know how guys do. You know, we start you start pushing each other a little bit. And somebody grabs somebody's wrist just playing around. And then all of a sudden, you know, like, oh, you grab my wrist. You hit an arm drag. And then, and then it turns into something you're like, this is like, this isn't even the nice asphalt. That's like, it was like the Rocky, you know, this is not something you want to go down. I ended up tearing his earring out as I kind of, he shot it. He shot the single, I grabbed the guillotine and, uh, it was, it was, yeah. Yeah. There was, that was just like a whole different me. You know, I, I do jujitsu so much differently. Now I pull guard all the time. And, uh, you know, I, I'm, I'm just trying to learn small guy jujitsu. You know, I, I don't, I know I could go in there and overpower a lot of people for the first little while actually getting back into it. I knew that that was going to be, everybody's like, oh, here comes this meathead coming in and he's just going to use his strength. And I was like, watch this. Everybody's gonna be like, wow, you didn't use your strength, you know? And, but I actually confused pressure and strength as the same thing. So I'd get in positions where I could apply a lot of pressure mm. and just like you should in, in jujitsu. Right. But I would not, because I was thinking well, if I put pressure they're think I'm using my strength. Right. And so I, I wasn't using pressure for about the first two months either. 
And so no pressure and no power. And that, that kind of sucked. And then I realized, you know what, these are two different things. If I get into a good position, not force myself into a good position or grab somebody's arm when it's way, when the, when the submission's not there and force it because I'm strong. No, but if the position is there, I'm going to apply the pressure now. And so position and pressure are, I'm sorry, uh, uh, pressure and strength are, are two different things. And so that's yeah, been, that's been fun. Yeah. I mean, the good old saying is like position before submission and, and all that kind of stuff. And I think there's a lot of learning lessons in jiu-jitsu. We're getting Gabe, Gabe will, uh, I mean, he, where he lives, there's a new jiu-jitsu gym that opened up or something like that. And so mm. we're, we're getting him on the mats here, uh, pretty soon. He's been on a few times with me. It, it's inevitable. It's inevitable. It'll happen. Have you guys rolled recently? I'm curious. Well, I've never no. rolled before. Never. Huh? No. Interesting. No, we should, we should roll some jiu-jitsu. I mean, I'll tell you though, uh, in SEMA is an absolute monster and, but there's definitely levels to this game. Like, and we've talked about this before, like when I'm rolling with most people, most of the time, like it's fine. And then you go to some place where like, these guys are like professional jiu-jitsu athletes. It's just like, mm-hmm. just, it's just, there's just levels to this game. I, I, I wanted to ask before, you know, I mean, I could talk to you about being a dad and, and life a lot, but I wanted to ask from a pastor perspective, mm-hmm. I have a question on that. Yeah. So I, I do feel like my upbringing, I was kind of like force fed, uh, specific things at the church, right? You'd walk in, you do certain things, you'd say certain things, you'd sit down here, you'd stand up here. And it almost kind of drove me away because it was very, um, structured, extremely structured. And even till this day, like, I mean, today's a little bit different, but like at my kid's school every morning, we say the pledge of allegiance and there's a, there's a morning prayer and that I'm, I'm actually good with. I actually like starting the day off that way. I think it, it's just, it's just a nice way to start the day. But at the traditional church, it just always seemed like I was, I've been craving feedback from the pastor. I wanted something that I could walk away and be like, you know what? That was impactful on my life. Right. I feel like I I could walk away and learn something, but oftentimes I don't get that feeling when I have attended. How does that change for the way you look at being a pastor and the responsibilities you have to make an impact there? And like, what do you focus on from a faith perspective versus just like stand, sit? Yeah. Yeah. That's, uh, that's interesting. So I'm, I'm actually preaching this Sunday. I don't preach all that often. I have a senior pastor. I'm the executive pastor. So sort of the, the GM right now of the church. Um, but he took a week and so I'll be teaching and I'm I'm kind of teaching on that just a bit. So I kind of feel ready for this question, but, um, it's interesting because, so I believe Einstein believed in God, scientist, right? You know, Albert Einstein believed in God, but would never have called himself a Christian. And uh, I don't think by any stretch of the imagination would anybody really call himself that um, and, and apologize if somebody has the facts of the story a little bit better than I, I do. But in that Einstein felt like he would, he experienced God by seeing him in all the, uh, all the discoveries he made from a scientific, from a physics, from a, uh, I think an astrological uh, perspective. And then he would say that when you go into church, it felt very like we can't be talking about the same thing. Because one inspired awe and reverence and this sort of, um, I'm very small and, and whatever's happening out there is really big. And then I walk into church and it feels very disingenuine and not like, like you're trying to explain what I've been experiencing and this is what I'm getting. Like that doesn't seem to, to make sense. It's not connecting. So there was kind of a, a repelling from, from organized religion for that reason. And I, I kind of understand that because I feel like it, it intersects with the phenomenon you're talking about where religion has become um, and God has become in so many people's minds, 
a set of rules that you follow or traditions that you follow. And if you do those things that somehow that is religion or that is the end goal, like to, I don't know, let's just say it's to show up to church, to kneel and stand, kneel and stand, walk to the front, get some bread, get some juice, go back, kneel and stand, make sure you look nice, smile and wave, leave, come back, don't kill anybody, don't cuss anybody out, make sure you're a good husband and then show up the next week. And it's like, that is so far from what, what the Bible says. I, I can't speak for every other, every other uh, world religion out there, but from what the Bible would say, you know, so I'm going through uh, the book of Colossians, which is really, it's a very short book, right? So the Bible is a book, but within the book, there's, there's, there's other books. And so I'm going through the book of Colossians and um, the apostle Paul, who like penned nearly two thirds of the new Testament is writing to the church in Colossae who is going through this very um, uh, it's they're in their infancy as a church. And there's people coming in and saying like, Hey, you guys need to make sure you keep observing like the food and the drink regulations. You need to make sure you keep observing all these rituals that we had in place uh, before Christ came. And if you don't, your faith is really, it's, it's uh, uh, of no value. Okay. So, and, and that's what Paul's saying that they're experiencing and Paul's saying, no, 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 all those things, whether it be Passover or whether it be these rules around food and drink and ceremonies, those were the shadow of the things to come, which is Christ. And now Christ is the substance of those things. And so in that there's no reason to maintain all of those uh, legalistic rules, uh, uh, so to speak, because those were things that were supposed to like, you'd come in from your life and you do those things to remind you that you're looking forward to something, something bigger, something better, something eternal. Well, then Christ came and he fulfilled those things. And so now we, on the other side, this is for the, for Christians, we look back at the cross of what Christ did. We remember that and we're set free from all those things. And so we're free to worship him, um, in spirit, in truth, but without having to say, if I don't perform X, Y, and Z, then God doesn't love me. Um, or God, it wasn't, it's not for me. And really God says, Hey, I did it all. This is the difference between, uh, again, some churches and, in, in, in my own, um, you don't have to do in order to be saved. Uh, you don't have to do in order to be called a Christian. Um, you just have to accept what's already been done for you. And so religion maybe is maybe more man's attempt to do rules and reach up to God and um, a relationship with Christ and a relationship with God is him reaching down to us and doing what we couldn't do, even if we tried our best. Hopefully that makes sense. Yeah, it was a lot there. That's yeah, a lot. I know. Yeah, it's uh, a lot. Is that going to be part of your talk, uh, your talk coming up? Uh, yeah. So the, basically the idea is it's kind of like comes down to missing the point, right? Mm -hmm. So some churches miss the point. And they keep rules and regulations as sort of like this, uh, these guardrails that are supposed to like navigate you to heaven or something like that. And rather it's God says, no, I, I brought it to you and you can walk in victory rather than fighting for victory, if that makes sense. So I think the faith question is super compelling and I want to continue to explore that more and more on the podcast in certain ways, like especially with guys like you, like who are just open-minded and, and having conversations about other religions and 
I just, I think there's a lot there. I think it would help. Um, I think the core values of a family and adding some component of faith, I think is important of, of some type just to kind of like anchor, anchor your decision-making on how you treat people and how you live your life. Um, Gabe, just being sensitive of, uh, Ben's time. I mean, any, any kind of questions you, you feel like we, we weren't discussing that. I mean, obviously there's a lot more we can continue to dive into, but anything that comes to mind right now. No, man. I mean, it's funny that you mentioned that because we've never talked about it, you and me, Jay, but I had very similar upbringing in that, like, you know, you went to church every Sunday, but like as a kid, almost similar to what you were talking about with Caden in school, like it just always seemed like, uh, man, like you just got to go and follow rules. Like it just felt like, you know, I wasn't getting anything out of it. And if anything, it was just this chore of like, you got to go, you got to look nice. You got to pay attention. You got to like sing the songs and stand and sit and stand and sit and like wait and whatever and say hi to everyone um and now i've definitely had like a a, a re-spark like curiosity yeah in That's almost what it is, right? like like exactly what you said in that like why like why am i taking this role as like a new dad so seriously like why are the values that i want to pass on to shay important versus other things um so i mean this conversation could go on and on but it was interesting that you brought that up because i had like the same kind of like relationship with religion growing up it was this thing that like i had to do and as soon as i was old enough to like not have to do it i stopped doing it because it was just like i don't want to do it um but now having my own family that's that's what it, it's like a curiosity of like you know what what is the point and you know to ben's point like was i missing the point how i was doing it before and how can this be something that is the backbone of the family that we're starting now and how does that make sense for our family and what we want to do so Anyway, I appreciate you asking the question and Ben, I appreciate you, you, you answering, yeah. but no, man, this has been great. We're going to have to have you back on. Dude, well, um, let me just give an asterisk to the, uh, to that little point. Cause I think I don't, yeah. I don't want to come across as somebody who, um, is maybe leaving more questions than answers. You did leave also, quite a few questions, uh, from what you were saying, but it was, yeah, that's okay. <laughs> that's okay. You know, and, and I also, I think that those upbringing like is causing you to ask those questions now. So for whatever reason. God is using your maybe imperfect church experience growing up as a way to spark your curiosity towards him now. And the Bible doesn't say to do a bunch of rules. It doesn't want you to go back to doing, to being okay with standing and kneeling and, and an impersonal situation. The Bible is really like, God is so good to us. And to me, he's been good to me. Um, he just says, confess and believe. You know, confess and believe is kind of what he asks of us. Confess, you know, and believe in him. Not do, do, do. It's not rules. It's not regulations. It's not patterns. It's not traditions. And then he says, he says, taste and see that I am good, right? That's what he says. And and it's he wants people to, to try that. He doesn't want people to go to church and look a certain way and 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 feel like they have to have all the answers. He's the one with the answers. So I was I'll leave you guys with that. Just so that's. That's so you guys know where I'm at on that. Well, we got to have Ben Alderman on again to talk about the Northern California Classic, which is your event, to talk about the Overcome Project, to talk about adoption, that process, what that was like, um, lessons learned along that journey, and um, and a variety of other things that we could talk about. So let's uh, let's yeah, Gabe, I think we should uh, plan for. Well, we'll reach out to you, Ben, and see if you want to come back on with us. You know, us guys. But man, there's so much more we could dive into. I just, I really appreciate you taking the time today. Uh, we'll make sure to link, uh, you know, your different, you know, projects you have going on in the podcast show notes. 
any kind of closing remarks for the for the audience, uh, Ben, that you'd like to share? I thought you dove into a lot of stuff today. Yeah, no, that was great. I, I think uh, for part one, we've said enough and we'll come back for parts two and three sometime in the future. We'll keep getting after it. Thank you all. Mm-hmm.